0: Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchets Weekly Podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. On Getting to the Bottom of It this week, I'm talking to Will Hoadley-Brill, who started a petition to keep three advanced Spanish language courses in the Spanish language department. Administrators were thinking about getting rid of these, and hodley brill really thinks that it's important and i'm so excited to have him here to talk about why he started this position thank you for coming on
1: yeah absolutely thank you for having me
0: so when did you find out about this uh when did you find out about the spanish language classes potentially being uh canceled
1: Mm -hmm. i found out about the possible cancellation last week it was actually on wednesday Uh, And hearing about it was definitely really angering, it was really upsetting for me as a Spanish major, somebody who has taken two of these classes. So I took immediate action, I sent an email out to my other peers that are in the class that I'm currently enrolled in, and we tried to figure out what was the best way to approach it. And we generally came to the consensus that it was through an open letter that we were going to open up to the whole GW community, and see how many people really were passionate about this issue, and it turns out a lot of people are.
0: And what do you think makes these students so passionate about this issue? Like how have you, how have you reached out to them? How have you communicated that this is important?
1: Mm-hmm. At this point, uh, the only outreach that I've done is really word of mouth and through the Class of 2022 Facebook page. Um, it, that From that post and from my just ma- like word of mouth outreach and speaking to other students in the Spanish department and adjacent departments, um, it has spread like wildfire. Um, we have at this moment in time 127 signatures and the petition has only been live or the open letter has only been live for six days. Um, so it's a pretty good amount of students that are really interested and they're coming from a diverse Uh, areas of study, diverse backgrounds, diverse uh, groups in the university. Um, We have other foreign language students that are just worried about their own departments. We have obviously many Spanish students that are worried about uh, the cancellation of these classes. Um, But I think where it comes from is just the shared recognition of the importance of cultural education at GW. Uh, These classes are the only advanced language courses in the Spanish department that focus on language, that focus on current issues that are facing the Spanish-speaking community in, in the Spanish-speaking world. Uh, And without these classes, what we lose is those voices that are already silenced due to systemic injustice. So obviously the literature courses are important. I'm a Spanish major. I recognize the importance of studying literature. Um, And many of those classes are interesting and they're important. And some of them are modern. A lot of them, to be honest, are not. They're ancient literature. They're like old Iberian literature. But... Uh, these courses are giving voice to undocumented people they're giving voice to indigenous communities they're giving voice to communities that are being displaced by climate change by giant agro business um so i think it's a shared understanding of the importance of these kinds of classes the importance of these kinds of discuss- these kinds of discussions and frankly an anger an anger at gw administration's move toward move toward whiteness move toward erasing these voices um, and it really is just a smaller level example of, an, uh, of a lack of prioritization for humani- humanities studies and language studies.
0: Yeah, and how have you, what kind of response have you received from administrators since you started this?
1: Uh, I'm not going to name anyone in specific, just so that I don't get anyone in trouble. Okay. But I will okay. say that all of the administrators that I have spoken to, um, I can't say this actually. First of all. Spanish professors, professors who belong to the Spanish department have been asked to remain silent about this issue. They are prohibited. I'm putting air quotes around that. They are prohibited from speaking about this issue, which clearly they're not prohibited. We live in the United States. They can say whatever they want. Um, So frankly, it's a little bit scary that they're being prohibited from talking about it. It's because from an academic
0: freedom perspective.
1: Exactly. Clearly, someone doesn't want them to talk about this, which is scary. but as for professors that I've spoken to and faculty that I've spoken to that are connected to the classes but not in the Spanish department all of them have agreed that these classes are important they have at least on in a one-on-one setting they have also expressed frustration they have expressed a little bit of confusion like why is this happening Um, and I am working to get some departments that are connected to some of these classes to voice that, um, discouragement for not like, for not offering these classes in future semesters. Um, but that has not happened yet, but it's just because this isn't, I think it just became public today. The, the, uh, Spanish department only announced it officially today.
0: So there's still a lot to come. I hope so. Well, and, and speaking of that, Going forward, you have the petition, you have people who are adding their names to that list, but where do you see this going long term? What do you think the next steps are?
1: Um, I would love to say that I have a long term plan. Um, Right now I don't. Um, The only reason is because it depends what happens. If these classes if I approach the chair of the Romance German-Slavic Languages and Literatures department, and he acknowledges that these classes are important, and says that yes, he will continue to offer them, that's wonderful. It's one step, and it also shows me that this was a departmental decision, and that it was one instance of somebody exercising power without, without consulting students. If, however, there, it is not a decision that was made from the chair's perspective, It's clearly a general university trend. And as Hatchet has covered, we are shifting our our finances, our focus to STEM majors. Um, And we are decreasing our undergraduate enrollment. So there are generally going to be less resources. Some departments are going to have to shrink. And my, my fear is that those departments are humanities departments, those departments are foreign language departments, they're arts departments. There are these areas of academic study that have long been struggling to find support that are once again going to have to struggle for that support so if if my sneaking suspicion is true i will have to continue advocating or or i feel that i will have to continue advocating uh up the administrative chain
0: well i'm so glad that we could have you on this week especially in light of our, our last week's guest, who also talked about some of faculty concerns with less focus on the humanities. Uh, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: This week, on getting to the bottom of it, I'm here with our Metro editor Leah DeGro to talk about the annual security and fire report that came out. This is that comes out every year and it always has statistics about different crimes that happen on campus and kind of how different policies have worked out. Leah, can you start us off with just some of the highlights of this report?
2: Yeah, so the biggest thing that I noticed um, after going through the report was that liquor law violations had decreased uh, more than half. Uh, They decreased by 200 since last year. Last year there were 361 liquor law violations, and this year there were 161. So after speaking with Katie Fox, who's the Associate Vice President of Health and Safety, um, about this change, she said that the decrease is likely um, a cause of changes in policy in the police department so what they did during the year of 2017 was that if they caught a party with alcohol or underage drinking specifically they would just kind of write down names of everyone who was at the party everyone who was in the presence of underage drinking and that kind of contributed to that high number in 2017 and then this past year they changed the policy to only cite people who were actually underage and inebriated or who were hosting the party where the underage drinking was happening.
0: And did they tell you why they decided to change this policy?
2: Yeah, so they said that after, in 2017, they brought in a Clery Act compliance firm to kind of evaluate their policies. The Clery Act is the law that requires the university to release all of these statistics every year. And the Clery Act compliance firm basically told them that uh, the way that they were doing alcohol citations really wasn't the best, and that in order to have kind of a better community relationship with students, it would be better to switch to a more lenient alcohol violation policy. So it's actually more,
0: it's less likely that students will be written up for liquor law violations
2: this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct.
0: And along the same lines, what did the statistics look like for drug law violations on campus? Yeah,
2: so for drug law violations, for disciplinary referrals for drug law violations, meaning that they went to the Office of Students' Rights and Responsibilities um, rather than the police department, those went up. Um, Those have been going up pretty steadily for the past two years. In 2016, there were 147 disciplinary referrals, 2017, 157, and then 2018, 167. Um, And the interesting about thing about that is that while referrals are going up, arrests have been going down. And after speaking with uh, university officials, it doesn't seem like they've changed the policy regarding drug law violations. Um, But what I've heard from experts is that it might indicate that the police department is maybe being a little bit more lenient about maybe minor drug law violations like possessing small amounts of marijuana rather than taking them to the police right away. They're just kind of doing that through the university.
0: Just because attitudes have changed about drug use so rapidly over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And another um, statistic that I know gets heavily looked at every year is the statistics on sexual assault. So can you tell me how that has changed from last year?
2: Yeah, so last year, um, the campus saw a three-year high um, reports of rape on both the Foggy Bottom and Mount Vernon campuses. So last year, there were 38 counts of rape reports on both campuses. And this year, that fell a little bit um, by about 30%. There were 25 counts of rape reports on the Mount Vernon and Foggy Bottom campuses total. And so last year, kind of what officials and experts had told us was that the Increase in reports of rape might have been attributed to the height of the Me Too movement. People might have been more comfortable coming forward with their stories. And while they said the drop this year might not really be attributable to anything, they might they don't really have a good reason. Um, so the other thing that Katie Fox told me during our interview was that they're planning on making some changes to the Office of Advocacy and Support. So I think over the summer they renamed the the Office uh, Advocacy and Support. It used to be called the Victim Services Office. So they've renamed that and they're going to be adding a lot more services. A lot more counseling, um, a lot more people in the offices to make people feel comfortable coming forward with stories of crimes that have happened to them. So that's going to be announced in the next couple of months.
0: And I think we'll be keeping up to date on that, and I know that you'll be writing about it, your reporters will be covering it. Thank you so much, Leah, for talking to us today.
2: Thanks, Meredith.
1: Mr. Trump, what's new? What do you mean, what's new,
2: Rudy? I'm being impeached.
0: Look at
3: this photograph. It should be criminal. It should be treasonous. He made it up. Every word of it, it. was beautiful. It was just a perfect conversation. Just so you understand, it's the single greatest witch hunt in American history, probably in history, but in American history.
0: Here in the district, it's been quite a whirlwind of politics with the impeachment inquiries going on. Trump is making all these press conferences happen. There's people like Rudy Giuliani who are going up to bat for Trump. It's been quite a crazy dynamic. Uh, But I'm here with our culture section editor, Molly Kaiser, to talk about how you can kick back and relax given all that's going on. Molly, can you tell us some of your ideas for recipes for cocktails?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we have a really nice lineup of impeachment inspired cocktails um one of which is called the whistleblower sangria which includes moscato two white peaches peach brandy and seltzer water it's really easy to make you kind of just throw all the ingredients together muddle the peaches and there you have it an impeachment inspired beverage
0: what about if someone wants to do a little bit uh harder harder liquor if there's a really rough week
3: Yes, absolutely. We have that as well. So, we have the in peach mint julep, which includes three mint leaves, two ounces of bourbon or more if it was a particularly tough week, and some simple syrup. So, what you have to do for this one is press the mint leaves with the back of a spoon, add simple syrup and bourbon to the mint in a glass with ice, and there you have a little bit more of a strong beverage.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Molly. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: That's all for this week. Getting to the Bottom of It is hosted by Meredith Roten and features Culture Editor Sydney Lee. This podcast is produced by producer Jacob Fulvag, assistant photo editor Ariel Bader, and podcast host Meredith Roten. Music is produced by Oak Studio. And a special thanks this week to Leah DeGroat and Will Hoadley-Brill for joining us.